Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast. We appreciate you making time to learn and grow with us. Here you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, have a listen. Let me start off with a story. For some reason, after the holidays, something always happens to me, and I have a fresh story to tell you guys when I, when I speak. So, so uh, as a kind of an annual rhythm, uh, usually my family and I head to Toronto uh, over Christmas a little bit and spend some time with my immediate family, with my friend. Um, my, well, I, I have two immediate families, right? My wife, my kids, and then I have my mom and my brothers and sisters. I always mix up what's extended, what's, imme- what's immediate. Can someone clear that up right now? Does someone have Google, Wikipedia? Do we understand what... No? Okay, tell me later. Anyways, so we go and hang out with our family. And uh, this year, as last year, I had this crazy story because uh, we were in a 10-hour snowstorm trying to get to Toronto. And this year, just as we're on the 401, this big highway, if you've never been there, I'm sure you have, though, like several, several lanes. And moving off the 401, getting on this other large highway, the 400, we hear this noise in the back of the car. And like something sounds like it's grinding. I move and the noise goes away. And a, and a minute later, the noise comes back and everybody in the car says it could be a flat what do you think and like I'm changing from a 12 lane highway to a eight lane highway I'm like where am I gonna stop like what if what's gonna happen and so so we're like okay let's just kind of like take this easy the car's not shaking or anything so we get on the 400 and we finally about 100 100 200 meters later we stop on the shoulder the back tires completely flat it's midnight so we've driven to Whitby, hung out with my brother, then, dr- then now we're driving to Woodbridge, changing highways, flat at midnight, and we have to unpack the whole car, get the, get the spare. I find out later that it's illegal to change your tire on the road like that, that you should wait for somebody. We didn't wait. We just like, let's do it. So thankfully, it was on the right side, so no trucks would hit us while we were doing this. But, but here's the thing. We, how many of you guys have that, you know, everyone has that cheap car jack that comes with your car, right? So, so you lift up the car, and my son and I, we change the tire, we put on the spare, thankfully we have a spare, and then we have this, like, brain freeze. We're like, wait a second, do you tighten the tire while the, it's up or while it's down? Like, when the tire touches the ground, or how many know? Does anybody know? Okay, you guys are really safe people. This, so we were in a moment like, well, maybe we should start tightening it now. My son and I are having this conversation at midnight in pitch black trying to figure this out. We're like, and, we're forget- and I'm forgetting. I've changed tires before. So we start to tighten it a little bit while it's on the jack. But of course, you know, the car moves, right? My wife opens the door. She's asking questions. I'm like, do not move. The car, like, we're gonna, this car is going to fall. So, so we tighten it lightly. We, dr- we drop it afterwards. Everything's fine. But this is, this is really like this cheap little jack that you get with cars. And I just thought in that moment, like, this jack is not grounded enough to hold a car that's shaking, right? That's why we have to put the car to the ground and start tightening it really tight, right? And so this image is in my mind from this Christmas, just thinking about this, my wobbly car, my wife opening the door. We're wondering, like, is it going to tip over? And we realize, no, 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 no. we got to ground this car. we got to make sure that the tires are on the ground. And as I think about that and I think about the new year and I'm reading these magazines and blogs that are coming out at you know, the end of the year, beginning of the year, and so many people have been loving to write how they're feeling about the coming year, how they're feeling about world events, how they're feeling about the economy. And here's this theme that I've noticed in these blogs and these magazines that people are struggling to find security. 
and they're struggling to hold on to something to keep them grounded. The, the words that they're using to describe what they're anticipating or what they're feeling about life or the world or the economy and things like that are, 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 are things that, that, that don't give them the security they're looking for. And it sounds like, as I'm reading these things, that people are looking for a foundation for the decisions they're going to make this year, for the surprises that they know will come, because we always get surprised. We never know exactly what's going to take place. And so today, we're going to just spend a couple of weeks as we start the year on this idea of foundations and what we build our foundations on. What do we hold on to? What do we build our lives on? And there's this passage from... Uh, from Matthew chapter 7. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to it, Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to read a few verses from there, verse um, 24 to, uh, to 29. And this passage is basically the words of Jesus at the end of a sermon. I'll get to that in a moment. But let's, let's read these words, and I think they will help us over the next couple of weeks um, just with a sense of foundation and grounding that I think a lot of us are looking for uh, both as followers of Jesus, but also if you're here and you're just wondering, like, what do I build my life on? I hope these words will be helpful. So here's Jesus. He says this. Matthew's writing this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Let's just pause for a second. Our Heavenly Father, as we just open the Scriptures in a fresh way today, at the beginning of this year, we say welcome, welcome to your words, welcome to your voice, welcome to your heart, welcome to your vision. Uh, captivate our hearts and minds today, God. Amen. And would you, deep, would you speak so deeply, God, for those of us especially who are searching for a foundation to start with or maybe to deepen our foundation, God, uh, we just surrender this time to let you speak and guide and lead in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is unfair reading because we read the end of a long sermon. So Jesus, this is known as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 to 7. And it's um, Matthew, when he writes his gospel, does something really wonderful. He puts Jesus' teachings in, in, in five blocks. And this is the first block. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the most famous teachings of Jesus. And when we read Matthew's gospel, and I've said this before, he loves to use the word fulfilled because his audience is mainly Jews. And so he's trying to help them understand that the Messiah or Jesus has fulfilled the longing in their heart, the, what they're hoping God to do, uh, what God had promised uh, through the prophets and all that. And so Matthew loves using this word and ties us back to Old Testament scriptures scriptures. It's probably not for me, but... And so he, he, he loves using that. And when we read Matthew's gospel, um, we often see Matthew painting this picture that Jesus is like the new Moses, or Jesus is like, is leading us into a new exodus, or Jesus is really ultimately leading us into a new life. 
And when you think of the five blocks of teaching in Matthew, it kind of mimics the five books of the Torah from the Old Testament and the Hebrew Scriptures. And so we can see how Matthew builds this as he, as he tells us Jesus' story. Now, I would encourage you this week to read the Sermon on the Mount. We're not going to read the whole thing today. But at the end of that sermon, Jesus calls them to lean in and calls them to listen and calls them to pay attention and calls them not to miss what he has just said, what he has just shared with them, or in our case, what we've just read, if we've read from chapters five to seven, Jesus calls us to lean in and to listen. And just carefully listen to his words one more time from verse 24. It says, everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like someone who has built their house on a rock. Everyone who has heard these words of mine and put them into practice is like someone who has built their house on a rock or a foundation. And these words kind of sum up this kind of two-part recipe we're going to talk about this week and next week. But think about this. When decisions are needed, when you're at a moment of decision, or when distractions show up in your life and you're wondering, like, what do I do with this distraction? Do I follow it? Do I let it go? Or when surprises pop up in your life, which are going to happen. It's only January. It's 12 more months. So some surprises are going to happen. As Jesus illustrates then later in that next verse, in verse 25, as the rain comes or the storms come or the winds come, he says, those who have built their house on a rock, their foundation will keep them standing tall. Something really significant about that. And the question is, well, what does Jesus have to give us, like, as a foundation? Well, if we have ears to hear, he's giving us a foundation. Now, this is not new for a Jew, because a Jew would have made a connection to this idea or this metaphor of a rock or a foundation. It wasn't new to a regular Jewish person who might have been familiar with the scriptures. So here's like three or four scriptures from the Old Testament. Here's one from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, saying, God, or he is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. Psalm 18, verses 2 and 31, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. For who is God besides the Lord and who is the rock except our God? Psalm 19, 14 says, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In other words, we read things, and you can read through the Old Testament and catch these metaphors pop up often where God is referred to as a rock. It's a big idea in the Old Testament, so this was not new. Jesus' audience would have recognized God as a rock or God as a foundation or God as strength or God as a stronghold. But what's really unique and what shocked the crowds very likely in that moment as Jesus is sharing these words and probably even shocked his disciples who were just getting to know him, is that Jesus is saying, my words are a rock. My words are a foundation. What I've just told you is a foundation. What I've just told you is like a mighty fortress. See, for the Jews to consider any other words but what were found in the Torah or any other words outside of what Moses would have spoken to them or even some of their prophets was unheard of. Yet here's Jesus. They're seeing Jesus now as, you know, initially as a rabbi, initially as some new teacher, maybe even looking like a prophet. And here in these words, if you skim back through 
Matthew chapter 5 to 7 or the Sermon on the Mount, you'll actually hear Jesus say, you've heard this said, but now I'm going to tell you this. Or Moses said this, but I'm going to tell you this. And this is important because as Jesus speaks and as he points to the Old Testament and then continues, fulfills and continues, I mean, something important is happening. It's like Jesus is saying, I'm greater than the Torah. I'm greater than Moses. I'm fulfilling these words and actually giving you something even more to consider. And that's why at the end of his teaching, everybody said, man, this guy's taught with such authority, more authority than our teachers of the law. And they were all amazed. Now, there's something in Jesus' words that really help us understand how Jesus tied this and how they would have understood it. Because there's a famous uh, Old Testament passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, which I think many of you or some of you are familiar with. It's called the Shema of Israel. It's found in Deuteronomy 6. And we often read this text uh, during a baby dedication here because there's some beautiful words in there. But here, here's just a few verses. And here's the first one from Deuteronomy um, 6 verse 1. So here's Moses speaking to the Israelites, and he says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe. That's what Moses is telling the Israelites. If we go on just to verse 3 and 4, then Moses says this, hear Israel and be careful to obey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he says this later on in verse 6, keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. This this phrase, this passage from Deuteronomy 6 was entrenched in the life and heart and mind of a Jewish person. To think about the Shema of Israel was to understand that God was one, that God was Lord, that God was over all things, and that we would listen to him and hear his words. So here's Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount saying, hear the words of mine. Hear my words. It's like Jesus is encompassing all of what was already said in Scripture and expands on all that was said before as he fulfills Scripture and continues to teach and lead and guide us to the fulfillment of it. And I think if, it was, if, if, if we any of us were a first century Jew at the time, listening to Jesus say, hear these words of mine, there's no doubt that they would make this connection to the Shema of Israel, to hear God's words. But now Jesus is saying, hear these words of mine. And he's connecting them to say his words. Jesus' words are like a rock, like a foundation. And so Jesus is somewhat telling them, if you're looking for a foundation to build your life on, for a wisdom that is rock solid and strong and a revelation from God, you can find them in me. You can find them in my words. You can find them in what I've just told you. You can find them in what you're going to hear from me. You can find them in my teachings and my words. And so this is this idea as we start the year to think about like what, are, what is our foundation? What are we building our life on? Is it something that's moving, that's shaking, that's as like weak as a cheap jack that you get when you buy your car and you're wondering, is this thing going to you know, topple over or stay okay? And here we get this two-part recipe from Jesus and, and you know, what you hear and what you do or my words and my ways. And 
Today, I just want us to focus on his words, on this first part of this recipe for this solid foundation, which is his words. Because this is really important. All other words and all other ways of living is not solid enough for you and I to build our life on. And there's some great advice out there. There's some great blogs. You know, there's some, and you know, I think we make New Year's resolutions for a reason because we reflect back and say, man, I'd love to build these habits. And I, I actually love to do that. I love to think and reflect and write down. And I'm reading some things in some areas of my life that I want to kind of keep, keep looking back on and reflecting on what's next. And it's not that that's, that's not good. That's, there's, there's some good to that. But that's not enough to build your whole life on. There's something much deeper, much stronger, much more important. And that's why Jesus says the person who hears my words and puts them into practice is like someone who builds uh, their house on a rock versus someone who doesn't is like someone who builds their house on sand. Now, if you know the difference between rock and sand, it's easy. Sand is, you can move it, you know. Sand is very hard to keep something level. Uh, Sand is very difficult as you put weight and more weight on it. That's why when we build houses, we build houses on uh, solid foundations. And think about bricks for a second. Bricks are made basically from sand. And mortar is made from sand as well. Now it's good, it's solid, but it's something different. I've kind of put this picture on the screen just to kind of show this. I am not a builder, I'm not a general contractor, but I'm just, you know, this is a little, little bit of, a, of an illustration. And it's really cool to see that the brick with the mortar and the wood and all that kind of stuff is all sitting on what? What's it sitting on? Sitting on a foundation. Now, you could, you could put brick in the ground and you could probably fill it with mortar and all that stuff, and it could be okay for a while, but the, the humidity and the seeping water and all that kind of stuff is really going to get to that brick and get to that mortar, and it's not going to be the kind of solid foundation you want. Any good builder does not start with brick. They start with the foundation. They start with something strong. And that's really important because we must never mistake in brick for foundation, we must never mistake in sand for foundation. We must never mistake in aesthetics for foundation. We must never mistake in decor for foundation. Now, I appreciate the brick in my home. I appreciate the aluminum siding. I appreciate the windows. I even appreciate the mortar. But if you come by my house with a screwdriver, you take enough time and you can scrape through that mortar. You could easily scrape through that mortar. I mean, not in like two minutes, but... Give yourself an hour or two, and you'll break a hole through the mortar. Have a drill a bit. You'll do it even better. Get yourself another type of equipment. You can take out the whole line of mortar in my house. I appreciate all that stuff, but it all sits on a foundation that keeps it up, that keeps it straight, that keeps it strong. What we're tempted to do in life, and, and, and we're so enamored by this in our world, and our culture, and especially by social media, we're tempted to build our life on other things. Some of the big two or three top three things were attempt, were, were, were tempted to build our lives on something like prosperity or wealth. And we feel like if I, can, if I can be prosperous enough, if I can be wealthy enough, if I can have enough of this, this, and this, then my life is going to be strong, then my life is going to be good, then I'm going to be okay, then nothing is going to stop me, I'm going to be able to withstand every single storm. Or some of us feel, and we see this often in our culture as well, is that if I can have enough power, 
then that power gives me enough leverage to curate my life and, and dictate how my life's going to go and influence other people and make changes and, and protect myself here, here, and there. And so many of us then search for something like power, and we hope that that power is going to be strong enough to build a life on. Some of us think it's something like experiences or pleasure, that if I can have you know, just enough experiences to make me happy, if I can just do this, if I can just do that, if I can just get to that country, if I can just get to this kind of place in the world or this experience or have this pleasurable experience in my life, blah, 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 then, then my life's going to be good. Then I'm not going to feel like I want more. Then I'm not going to live with FOMO, Right? The fear of missing out. Then, I, then, then, then for sure I'm going to be able to like just late in the evening sit back and say, I am fully satisfied because I've experienced all these things. And when we look at those ways to attempt to build our life on, things like prosperity, like power, like pleasure, we often find ourselves lacking. Now, we can't ignore the wisdom of like financial health. We've talked about that in our church. We, ha- we can't ignore the wisdom of even understanding that experiences are good. When you take a walk in a beautiful forest, you, you're like, wow, creation's amazing, and that's beautiful, and you walk away, and we need these things, right? Like, if you get to visit another part of the world, it's a wonderful thing. No, one, no one's saying don't do that. There's some good in that. There's good in healthy finances. There, there's good in, in strong relational principles, uh, in your relationships, your friendships, in your marriage, in your workplaces. There's, there's, there's good in and also some experiences in the world. They all play a part in our foundation, but they're not the source of our foundation. That's the difference. They all play a part in our foundation. They're not the source. They can't be our foundation. And what's amazed me in this last, the last half of 2023, especially as I was chatting with people, talking to even new visitors at our church, um, meeting with people out and about in the community, I, this is what I was sensing, and this is maybe anecdotal, but I have also read it in some other you know, literature out there these days is that I'm seeing this growing sense of insecurity. This growing sense of insecurity in, in the securities we've built up. Like talking to people that have built up securities, but they're feeling insecure about the securities they've built up. And what they're expressing in some ways is, and, and they might not always say it this way, but what I'm hearing from them is there's cracks in my foundation. There's cracks in my foundation. And they might say something like, I've got a job, I lead a company, I have money in the bank, but dot, dot, dot. They might say something like, I've got a lot of friends, I know a lot of people, I've been to a lot of events lately, but dot, dot, dot. Or I've traveled the world, I've experienced this, oh my gosh, you should go you know, do this and check this out, but dot, dot, dot. And, and I don't know why, but the, the last six months of 2023, I was hearing this often from people of all, you know, uh, different status levels, different um, levels of wealth, um, different, different places in society, from all kinds of people. I've got this, this, and this, but. I've, I've built this and this and this, but. And I think some are realizing when the surprises come, when the storms come, when parts of culture, you're like, oh, where is this headed? This looks a little bit off. This looks a little bit chaotic. This looks a little bit crazy. And then you're like, well, where do I go? Where, where do I go? I have this, 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 and this. 
I've taken care of this. I've built up this security. I've experienced this. I have these friends, but I'm looking at stuff around me, and I, why do I still feel insecure? And I don't mean insecure inside, but insecure with the world outside. Where do I go? And thinking about Jesus' words, you know, when rain comes, when streams come, when the wind comes, I was thinking about this, this um, common thing that exists around the world, and it's maybe we've seen it more like in, in farms or ranches or parts of the, of the world or country that have like a lot of storms. There, there are these storm shelters. Ever see these storm shelters? I mean, the first image of a storm shelter I have is the first time I watched The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> when, when Dorothy's uncle ran in and the storm was coming, the tornado's coming, and he opened these doors that were like at, right at the floor level, and he kind of walked in, and you know, he was safe, but Dorothy was in the house, and she got pulled up by the tornado. Anybody relating? No? Okay, sorry. Um, so here, here's a picture of a storm shelter. You might, you might recognize it when you see it. Is it up there? Maybe? Uh, no? Oh, did this close while I was talking? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, anyways, if you can imagine it, yeah, it's kind of like, like two wooden doors, uh, a bunker style that you can kind of walk underground and be safe from the storm. Now, I thought it was only like old or, you know, something that they do in other places. And then I started Googling it and checking out different images. There's actually like modern day storm shelters that people have built in their backyards. Like they've dug like 30 foot holes and deep, deep down and built cement walls. And then they put garden and landscaping around it. But basically it's the same thing. There's a door that you open up and when things get really crazy outside, you go underneath, you close the door behind you and so you're safe. And it's interesting that these storm shelters exist. You run into these shelters when storms come. And Jesus is telling us that part of the recipe for a foundation, especially when surprises and storms and distractions and other things we start to realize aren't really the foundation we're looking for, part of the recipe are found in his words, in his teaching, in his message to us, in his wisdom to us. Part of what he's telling us is the foundation we're looking for is in his words, in him. Where he's saying, the wise person hears my words. The wise person takes my words seriously. The wise person is listening to my words. And that's so, so vital for us to understand when we consider that Jesus is calling us to build our life on him not on all these other things. Some might be good, but to build our life on him. And hearing his words, now they're not the only part of this foundation, we're gonna get to that next week, but they're a big part of this foundation, an important, essential part of this foundation. And here's my question as we kind of take time to wrap this up and uh, move towards communion today. I'll invite the band to come up as well as we get ready for this. But here's my question. Are you... Are you interested in his words? Are you ready to hear his words? Are you listening for his words? Like, are are you paying attention to his words? When I think about the context in Matthew 7, as Jesus has just, you know, shared this whole, what we, we know of as the Sermon on the Mount, this extended time teaching people, and then he comes to the end of it and then says, those who hear my words, or hear these words of mine. Everyone, and he's talking to everyone, everyone, do you hear these words of mine? Do you know these words? Are you listening to these words? And 
We don't have time to get into all the words of Jesus to listen to. That's what we do week after week. That's what we do in community groups. That's what we do in Bible studies. That's what we do here on Sundays. That's what many of us do even on our own. But I want to get this just this big idea across today. Are we hearing his words? Because his words are part of the key, key part of this recipe for a foundation for your life and for my life. So significant. And so I want to invite you as we start this year uh, to a practice that I'm certain many of us um, or some of us already have, many of us have already attempted, uh, some of us would like to um, grow in this a little bit more, but it's this practice of what I'm going to call sitting with Jesus. And I use the words sitting with Jesus instead of just reading scripture very intentionally so that when we read scripture, we recognize we're sitting with Jesus, that we're, we're, we're paying attention to his words. Um, we're trying to understand what he's telling us, not just when it's quoted that Jesus says it, but through all of the biblical story that finds its culmination and climax in him, in the person of Jesus, in his life and death and resurrection and ascension, that we're sitting with him when we're sitting with the words of scripture. And there's ways to do that, to sit with his words, to listen to his words, to immerse ourselves in his words, to meditate on them, to think about them, to reflect on them, to pray through them. But I want to introduce you to, to a practice that I think will be helpful. And the first part is if you're, if you're not already regularly reading the scriptures, I would encourage you not to make it a goal to read X amount of scripture. I, like goals come and come and go, right? You could say, I'm gonna, my goal this year is to read the whole Bible. And some of us fail by March 1st or get through Leviticus and we're like, this is it, I'm giving up. Um, or there's some parts. And, and so it's not a bad goal, but I think the bigger goal is I want to practice sitting with Jesus consistently, regularly in his word. Now, you might already have ways to do that. Uh, we had given out to some of our uh, ministry team leaders and such um, a little booklet. Um, it's called The Daily Office. And um, this person down in Kansas City, his name is Derek Vreeland, really passionate about Jesus, great pastor. He had distilled um, the lectionary readings from Advent, Lent, and Easter and such in a two-year cycle in a real simple way. And um, what I love about it is that is that he's organized it in such a way where we can sit with the Old Testament a little bit, sit with some of the New Testament letters, and then sit with Jesus. And so we're always ending with Jesus every day. And we put this on our website. It's already available. After the gathering, you can go check it out. And there's a way to either buy this format or buy it on Kindle or email us, and we'll send you a free PDF uh, to be able to use it if that's, if that's the method you'd prefer. And the encouragement is, imagine if we could regularly sit with Jesus through the whole biblical story in a simple way. And what I love about this particular way of reading Scripture is that it's enough to help us slow down and sit with Jesus and listen to the words of Scripture. But it's not so much that if you're really interested in reading the book of Romans in the winter, go for it. It's not going to be so much that you can't like say, I also want to read through Romans or I'd love to get through this Old Testament book. It's, it's, it's enough to, to also really, you know, get you focused on being with God daily, but it's not so much that you can't say, I also want to add a psalm every day. 
And, and that, that's why I like about it. So I encourage you to go to our website and find that. But I had this thought over the holidays, and here's where I get to this little chair. And, um, and so I had this thought over the holidays as I was taking some time to sit with Jesus and reading Scripture. Because I don't know about you, but I, I need to slow down enough to sit with, with Christ. I need to slow down. I need to be, be able to be present to Him so I can be available to His presence. And so as I was thinking about this, the thought of the Trinity came to me about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and my desire to slow down. And, and I thought, what if I used some candles to slow me down enough and be present when I want to be present to God? Now, there's nothing magical about candles. We're not selling them at the end. Can't get them on our website. They're not blessed in any way. Um, literally, I found them in the kitchen this morning, okay? So, however, this is what has helped. This is what I was thinking about. I know I need to slow down and think about how can I be still before the Lord. And in a Trinitarian way, as I light this first candle, I just pause and think of Psalm 4610, be still before the Lord. Or I often personalize it and say, Lord, I am still before you. And maybe you just want to do that with me in this moment, just to be still before the Lord, just for a few moments. When you do this on your own, you can do this for two or three or five minutes or more, just to be silent before God. And why I start with this first candle or this first thought is to be present before my Heavenly Father who loves me, whom I long to worship and whom I pray with his son, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I want to be still before you. And after being able to take some moments of silence, when we just take this next movement, and I don't even want to call it a step or a section or a chapter, but just this next movement in my time of prayer where I think about God the Son. And when we read the Gospel of John, we read that Jesus is the Word of God. He's the Logos, the wisdom of God. He was with God in the beginning. He was creator in the same way. And because He's the Word, when I then into this next movement of sitting with Jesus as I open the Scriptures... Now, I'm not just taking in information, but I'm sitting with Christ, and I'm saying, Jesus, feed me through your word. You're the, you're the word. I want to listen to your words. And regardless of where I'm reading in the scriptures, I invite Jesus to always help me to see the scriptures through his eyes, through his life, through his cross, through his resurrection, through his ascension. And then you can take this time and read the scriptures that you're planning to read. Maybe our plan or something you're already involved in. But then at the end of that, I think what's helpful is that we just consider this one last movement. Where we've been silent before God, we've been sitting with Jesus, listening to the scriptures. And then we just pause and say, Holy Spirit, help me to process what you have 
wanted to show me today. Help me to be present with you today. Help me to hear maybe a word or a phrase or a theme that you want to get my attention about. And maybe there's things that you have read in Scripture as you're sitting with Jesus that have come to your attention. Maybe something you need to lay down, something you need to confess, something you need to repent, something God wants you to surrender. Maybe an area of a life, of your life, that God is pinpointing. But to end your time with, fa- with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, inviting God's Spirit to help you become more and more available to Him, and maybe to pay attention to Him throughout the rest of your day, the rest of your week, regardless of when you're reading this in the day. And that's, that's a simple practice. Again, you don't need candles. You can just be still before the Lord for a few moments, open up Scripture, sit with Jesus as you read the Scripture, and as you end, invite the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. I am just a very distracted person, and that's why I used candles, and it helped me. Um, but you can do it any way that, that you see fit. And my invitation again to you is, are you ready to hear His words? Amen? As, as, the, as the building block, the foundation of our lives. I'm going to ask you to stand as we close and pray. If our prayer team is available today, they'll be here on the side. Um, let's just pause for a moment and pray. And invite God to lead you, to guide you. Again, just the way we've shared, to pinpoint what he needs to pinpoint in your heart and life today. If you're new here today or you've been new with us or maybe just coming back after the holidays or following us online, you're going to hear us invite you and others to listen to Jesus often. That's, that's, that's what we do because we have come to believe um, that he is Lord of everything. And what it means to be a Christian is to follow Jesus as Lord and King And how can we follow our king or the one we've discovered who has all the wisdom and goodness and truth of life if we don't listen to him? So my invitation to you, if you're new or just exploring, you can do this too. You can just begin to listen to Jesus through his words and see how he works in you and and moves in your own heart. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're so grateful. You love us so dearly. We thank you and worship you today, God. And as we have paused to listen to your words today throughout our gathering and in this short time unpacking the words of Jesus, we welcome the work of your Spirit to grab a hold of our attention. Help us to be attentive and available to you, Lord. And for some, and all of us, in some way, shape, or form, will wrestle with the things that we attempt to build a foundation with. And God, as we wrestle with those ideas or possessions or actions or distractions or invitations, Lord, as we wrestle with those, 
God, I pray, I pray, I pray that you would reveal to us personally, deeply in our own hearts that the only true foundation is found in Jesus, your son. That we would listen to his words, which are ultimately your words and the voice of your spirit. And so God, as we engage and enter this year, we pray that you would help us to be so aware if there's cracks in our foundation that have been there because of the other things we have placed in as a recipe of a foundation, God. And to just step back and, and recognize the true foundation we long for and need is in Jesus. For some who are new today or exploring, I pray that you would help them just take even a next step to begin to explore who your son is. And as they do that, God, I pray that they would come to know um, the vision and life and purpose of your goodness and your kingdom and your gospel. And as we begin to just um, hand out the elements of bread and wine, God, prepare our hearts for that. May these next few moments be like an epiphany to us in a sense where we can truly see uh, who you are and your goodness. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, and hope you can grow with us. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. We would love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com slash giving. Until next time, peace.